Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a world, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ after my sister who I miss, Marsha Joyce. This is going to be so cool because New York, give me your best or your worst. Elizabeth Clowens is here. And Reed Farrell Coleman is here, and we're going to talk about my favorite city in the world, New York. But we're going to talk about Coney Island. Good morning, and welcome to MJ Network. I am so excited. This book is fantastic, and it really makes you smile, seriously. So, um, we're going to talk about the introduction, Elizabeth, first, and how it brings back memories of, of Coney Island and share them. And why you chose New York? Okay, you want me to start on that? I'm ready. Okay, (laughs) well, the reason why I chose New York, first of all, I've lived in New York on and off for well over 30 years. So I've lived, you know, in uh, somewhere in the five boroughs longer than anywhere else in my Mm -hmm. life. And secondly, um, this was a grant-funded book. And um, it was through the New York Foundation of the Arts, and it was called uh, the City Artist Court Grant, which helped with not all of the funding of publishing this book, but a good chunk of the funding. I still ended up going out of pocket. But the... Mm. um, um, I had a... I still do. uh, A popular caption contest on Facebook... Uh, called Caption Contest, Give Me Your Best or Your Worst. Now, usually mm. every day I put a like a vintage photo that's provocative or it's funny, and I just kind of let it fly with anybody who wants to make any comments, you know. And, um, and of course, Reed was one of my best contributors. He always had some of the wittiest comments. But when I pitched the project um, to the grant committee, I figured uh, because um, to be a grant recipient, you had to live in one of the five boroughs, I Mm. figured, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. Um, I'd been thinking about doing a coffee table book for the longest time uh, with my photojournalism. I had been a professional photographer for well over 30 years. And uh, I had tons of photos that weren't published before that were, you know, taken in New York. And if you're, you know what, let's take the caption contest idea and the New York theme, because this is a New York-based grant, and um, I'll pitch it. And then all of a sudden I found out I was a recipient. So I said, wow. You know, so uh, obviously I had a lot of photos um, that mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, present. But also I wanted to um, – pick some authors, because this could not be a solo person project. I had to involve other creative types, 
um, in my, whether they were writers or photographers, um, you know, I had to involve other people in the project. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to contact people who I know are very New York. You know, they've either, you know, grown up here or they write about New York or they've done something professionally that is a contribution to the kind of memorabilia and legacy of New York. Mm. And Reed was the first person that came to mind uh, as far as writing and, and see if he was interested in writing an introduction. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what they always say when they've gone through their first 15 choices, that you're the first choice. <laughs> no, uh, you were. <laughs> well, so I, I, I could agree with you. The, the introduction really really got me. Seriously? Well, I, I was like, I'm happy. I couldn't I'm put it down that. after that. Well, I, you know, it's a daunting thing as I write in the foreword to say something original about New York. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the fact is that New York isn't just one place. It's funny because Elizabeth, Elizabeth has mentioned she lived in one of the five boroughs for 30 years. Um, <clears throat> New York is not one city. It's not the five boroughs. It's a thousand places, maybe 10,000 mm-hmm. places. Um, so it's a rather daunting task to write a foreword to a book about New York. And, um, you know, what we could have, I could have written about, as I do in the forward mention, you know, New York can only go up. We can't expand out. When I'm on book tour, you go to cities in the south and the midwest and the west and cities spread out. Well, we can't spread out. We can only go up. So it's a city of yearning and churning. But I thought the best thing to do was talk about why New York was important to me um, mm-hmm. and what area in New York was important to me. And for me, it's Coney Island. It's so important mm-hmm. to me, in fact, that I have a tattoo of the parachute jump on my left forearm and that my children have, a, have a, almost the same tattoo on them uh, because mm-hmm. it connects. It connects me to my father and them to me. So it connects three generations. But I felt like by picking one neighborhood, which for me is Coney Island, it would let New Yorkers understand and people outside the city how New Yorkers are so attached to the places they either live or grew up. And apparently I did a good job. You did a great job because Coney Island was my favorite place, like I said before, so Elizabeth, to go when my, my father's brother lived there. And I love going to Coney Island because I got to spend the whole day in Hoggart with my father. But I grew up in the Bronx, South Bronx. And up until uh, my mom died, we lived in the Bronx. So the Bronx is special to me. And you don't start with those tough girls from the Bronx, let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> so it's, it's great. So, Elizabeth, um, since you're an art person... And the story really was really cool. I read your story three times to make sure I got it. Tell us about your drive and why you wanted to live in New York City. I can understand it. And what about this art project? Why does it seem as a starting point for what happens next? Well, and the pictures are fantastic, really. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it was funny because I have never um, kind of coordinated 
Um, I, I've never edited an anthology. This was the first time for me. Mm-hmm. So I all of a sudden I'm jumping in, you know, head first. And not only that, I had an amazing, um, amazing deadline. I mean, I literally had to, from the pitch to the acceptance to the actual print book in a bookstore at a book launch was less than four months. And most mm. traditional publishers, you know, take a year to year and a half to get yeah, a book out, especially a hardcover four color with uh, tons of photography. So all of a sudden, I was dealing with sending out invitations to authors and dealing with um, uh, 10 other authors beside myself. You know, plus I'm, I'm shopping around for a printer. I'm looking at proofs you know, to see how the photography is reproducing. Um, I laid out and designed the book. So I actually literally had to teach myself a software program that I hadn't used in 12 years. Mm. And so I was doing everything. I mean, this was definitely a minimum of an 18-hour day. And it got to the point where all of a sudden I'm starting to coordinate everything with all the other authors. And then I was ready to say, I haven't written anything yet. What story am I going to come up with? And I was just, you know, sitting in my living room and looking at this gigantic picture on the wall and said, that's it. You know, I said, that the protest painting, why I wanted to come to New York to begin with. And it literally was a protest painting. I grew up in the Midwest and, um, my father uprooted the family um, after I turned 16, and um, so I didn't even get to finish high school out at my alma mater, which I loved. And um, when uh, he moved the family to South Florida, unfortunately, the family broke up about six months later. <laughs> and uh, while I was trying to finish out high school, um, I knew since the age of 13 I was going to move to New York. I did not belong in the Midwest. That was not my mm. personality. And I was a very career-oriented person, which is not – my father was old school. I mean, he, you know, he was trying to groom me to hang out at the country club and find some rich kid going to Harvard <laughs> or something, you know, and get married to him. So he, you know, and basically my mother never finished college. They met in college, but, um, you know, she never, uh, she dropped out of college to marry my dad. And she kind of, he kind of expected the same thing for me. And um, that wasn't my agenda. So um, I knew, as I said, around the age of 13 that I was going to end up going to an art and design school in New York, and I Mm. was going to accept nothing less. So I ended up making this uh, painting. It's a combination of oil paint and photo collage, uh, and the collage um, images came from Old Life magazines. And um, I... Everybody loved it. In fact, when my parents were divorcing, and uh, and I've got this in the story, when my parents were divorcing and trying to sell the house, uh, we had more offers on the painting than we did on the house <laughs> from a lot of New Yorkers that had moved to South Florida. 
So, um, but this was my um, social statement, but it was an artistic social statement to my father. Like, I'm going to New York. I don't care what you say. I'm going. <laughs> so that's what I wrote, you know, in that story. I love that story, but I'll tell you, my mother decided when I was two and a half I was going to be an educator, and she sort of made sure I'd be. And I'm not sorry. I, I was glad to work with kids with learning disabilities, and for over a thousand years, and as far as college, she said, you will go. No one else did in my family, by the way. Mm-hmm. No one did. My sister did. My brother, is, well, he went finally when he was younger. But nobody did in my family. And she said, "You're gonna." I graduated in three years. As a matter of fact, I graduated high school in two and a half years because she made me go to summer school, even though I didn't need to, to mm-hmm. advance. Oh, she, oh, yeah, I got mapped out beautifully. But what can I say? And I'm not sorry, but, yeah. I was determined to become an educator, and I'm glad I did. It was the smartest thing. But some of these pictures, for, I'm looking at the book. How did you pick the two pictures right next to the protest painting, those two people? That's, that's perfect. That actually is my mother and my grandmother. That's what I that thought. That is a real <laughs> photo that I took when the painting was in my oh, mom's God. house. Each one, my both my mother and my grandmother are no longer alive. But that, oh, um, but that picture was taken, I think, in the early 80s. Mm. And it just happened to be um, I was taking pictures, and the two of them were there. And, um, you know, the painting was in the background. And I'm saying, this is perfect. This is what I'm using for the uh, story. It was, it was perfect. I felt like they were talking to me, the two of them. I'm going to skip over for a second. I've got a million questions here. But, Reed, I read Slider. Yes. This is interesting. I'm skipping over to the second page, and then I'll come back to the first page because I have an interesting question about those pictures. Just me. Well, the pictures were my choice after the fact. Okay. So I'll just interject for just a second. Slider was the one exception where I did mm-hmm. not give a photo prompt for uh, somebody to write a story. Reed gave me the story, and I found photos to illustrate it in the background. This was really interesting besides you use poetry and a whole bunch of other stuff that you wouldn't expect. And let me look at the pictures. Yeah, oh, I see. They're sort of like in there, but they're not there. I see. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I could tell. See, the eyes are still working here. Okay. <laughs> that was um, a design choice. I, I wanted, like, I didn't want a white background, but I wanted I something. And I found, believe it or not, some pictures of the beach. I found a picture of a dead crab with another crab feeding on it. Uh, I found a photo of somebody who would toss their bait, live bait, on the pavement, and it had died. Mm-hmm. You know, So the the photo seemed to be appropriate for what Reed was talking about in the story. So the story that really hit this home was about a Michaela whose apartment never changes and the three generations. How did you pick that? That's like so amazing. Well, that was actually up to the author, um, R.J. Corretto. Um, I gave Wait him... Wait a minute. Where are my questions for Slider? I know it's there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll get back to Slider so, yeah. No, that's okay. This, I, I I love that story. But I'm looking at my my paper, and I'm like saying, I know I did read the story. So how did, well, Slider is a, bo- is a boat, right? Some kind of a yacht, Reed? 
That this no. guy uh, created. No. No, what is what is fly? What was Slider? Well, it is a boat, but it's really yeah. uh, named after a baseball pitch. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I. Uh, so how did you come yeah. to create this? To create this story. Well, I mean, I grew up playing stickball in Brooklyn, so um, you know. I mean, that's always the oddest question. No offense, but how did you create this? Is if I could if I could tell you that, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I don't think people really understand how they create what they create. Um, you just do it. Uh, yeah. I, well, I was trained as a poet. Uh, mm-hmm. I make a career as a fiction writer, and uh, the story was originally printed in uh, published years ago. Um, in an anthology in which I was given free reign. So there are times when I know, and I'm in a certain anthology, they want a theme, they want you to do it a certain way, they give you a word count, and I, uh, those are fine. I, I'm happy to do those, but I also enjoy when I'm given free reign and not given parameters and I can do what I want, I can do experimental work. So, uh, Slider is both a short story and a prose poem. Um, well, here are my questions. I've got it. <laughs> oh, good. I found, I, you know something, my, I, I type everything. It's a good thing I do because, by the way, the review for your, for your book is short, sweet, and to the point, and I wrote it. A really nice one, too. I'm very proud of myself. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, lately I've been like, you know, hesitating to write anything about anything because some of the books are really like, oh my God, why me? Okay, I said I, we talked about the plaster slider and the theme. Um, I have I write on my notepad on my phone because my computer has a habit of making everything disappear for some reason. I don't know why. So each scene is different yet the same, focusing on the death in a different way. How come? That I picked up, and I love I love dolphins. How come? Uh, yeah. Because it's it's not it's a non-traditional story and yeah I know <laughs> uh, yeah because it's because it it, it it you can look at it as a short story or it, or a stanzas in a poem and so um, the theme is the same throughout um, the uh, yeah. a famous poet named Wallace Stevens once wrote a poem called Thirteen Ways of Looking at a Blackbird. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is just a reflection or taken from that inspiration is you stay on a theme and look at it from different angles. So what is the significance, you see, I love, of the dolphin and the older man, and the old man? How do they connect? Uh, well, they connect through the experience. Well, I, frankly, I would be giving too much away about you don't want to, yeah, okay. Full, yeah, full answer. However, let's say it connects to the woman's body and uh, the old man's experiences in the Holocaust. I know. I'm reading a book about the Holocaust now. It's a true story. This girl found out that she had a thousand members, seriously, members of her family that were killed. Yes, the girl and she did from research. Mm. The girl yeah. Yeah. The girl, so. I could, I, it's, I'm having trouble reading it. I mean, I read it, yeah. but I'm having trouble reading it. Because mm. it's like my grandmother was in a concentration camp, so books uh. like those take me forever to read. So, 
I don't want to ask too many questions about it, but um, who is Peter? Who, who is who? Is there a P, there's a Peter in this? So is the old is yes, the old man well, remembering he, it? Oh yeah, it's fiction. Peter. Yeah, it's fiction. It's, he's just a character. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's not real. Yeah. So and who is stallion? What does stallion mean? Stallion, like Italian stallion. It's a nickname. Yeah. It's just the nickname of somebody who's in the you know the story of. Uh, They are based on people who I would have known as I was growing up, you know, on Ocean Parkway and who I played stickball with. Yeah. So basically they are composites of characters of people with whom I grew up. Well, I had a boyfriend on Ocean Parkway, believe it or not. I used to go there a lot. It's it, it, it's amazing that we're so connected with that. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, how yeah. did you you know? I'm looking at some of the pictures, and I felt like they were in a movie reel. How how did you do that? That was amazing. Oh oh, that's just a graphic de- design technique. I've never seen anybody do that. Oh yeah, no, I just you know, I mean, I worked uh, as a still photographer in the movie industry for a long time. But the um, I also I mean not only am I a professional photographer but um, I ended up going back to school at one point and getting a degree in graphic design, especially when everything became digital and pretty much a photographer had to learn Photoshop anyway. So, uh, but that that's that's just a yeah graphic design technique. Yeah, but you and know I, what? That's a, that's important. That you thought enough of, you know, the career that you wanted to get ahead to learn something. How many people just go ahead and do it and don't care? That's, that's, well, that's I, we were all forced to learn. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I it was very painful to sell off the last of my film cameras. <laughs> you know? mm. And even though, you know, some of my favorite photo labs are all out of business. You know, and this is where I used to, both in L.A. and in New York, you know, where I used to process my film. You know, many of those places are just mm-hmm. gone. So, um, you know, it's you've got to change with the technology. It's it's been mm-hmm. it's been a double-edged sword. You know, trust me. I mean, you know, even with I mean, I used to pay a fortune to a hand retoucher. You know, who used oh, to wow. do airbrush work. Okay, and because uh, occasionally, you know, when I when I did celebrity shots in my portfolio when I lived out in L.A. You know, you'd have a little wrinkle or a little birthmark or, you know, something that if you had a really large, tight headshot, you know, something that you're trying to convince an art director to use for a movie poster, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you want it to look its best. But when Photoshop came around, I learned how to do that myself. So I could always retouch an extra wrinkle out, you know, or a slight... uh, you know, add a little sparkle, you know, a little white to somebody's eyes who might be bloodshot. <laughs> oh, nice. So, and not and not have to pay somebody, you know, quite a bit of money uh, to do it. So, um, you know, but now, you know, nowadays, I mean, I learned how to do photography on fully manual cameras with film. And, in fact, I... Um, you know, I used to have a lot of people, uh, you know, make comments. Oh, your photographs used to look like a combination of Ouija and Diane Arbus. 
and uh, except that I think some people call her Deanne Arbus. But um, I, you know, Ouija used a press camera, and mm. Arbus used, I think, a two and a quarter either Rolleiflex or Hasselblad. Mm. So, you know, those were all. I mean, I, I used to have to work with all of that stuff. I, I, I was trained on how to use an old-fashioned view camera that mm. you, the type of uh, camera that Ansel Adams used to use. So, um, you know, I that was a whole art. Um, you know, and you had to learn chemistry and you had to learn physics mm. and optics and all sorts of stuff to really be a good professional photographer. And nowadays, I bet you most people don't know any of that stuff. They just buy a fancy digital camera with all the auto exposure and auto focusing, and uh, they don't have to worry about processing film and they could. You can't fix everything in Photoshop, but you could f- fix a fair amount. You know, if it's not lit right, you still can't fix it in Photoshop. But, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I can fix it in Photoshop. So there's a lot of kind of sloppy, lazy photography done these days because people don't understand the original craft, where it came from. But when I, when I started learning it, I had to learn the original craft. But the point of the matter is also, um, a long time ago, my sister went in to buy a digital camera. And I said, did they teach you how to work it? Did they teach you what happens when you, you know, want to get the film? Yeah, she said, you go into Costco and they do it for you. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I said, but you're getting getting generic things. You're not getting, you know, you're getting what what they print out. And sometimes they actually tell you that some of the photos are not good. And you wind up paying for something that's not worth it because they're not going to show you how to work the camera. No. I mean, me, I would just say, could you show me this? Can you tell me that? They would hate me to start with. What can I say? Now, yeah. my favorite story, okay, and I unfortunately I can't eat cheesecake, but oh. it's about cheesecake. I'm allergic to milk, real milk. It's sad. It's sad. But um, the story about cheesecake, why did you include it? I was hysterical. That was hysterical. I loved that one. You know what? I included the cheesecake. It's 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 a piece of flash fiction, and it's actually based on a real story, except that I changed all the names. Um, <laughs> I was I this was actually I came up with to do that one before I actually did the protest painting, because mm. I was desperate. I was like dealing with everybody else's stories and giving them comments, and <laughs> I hadn't written anything yet. You know, and as I said, I was overwhelmed because I was doing, wearing all the hats, including the the budgeting and the bookkeeping and hiring. I had to end up uh, hiring a freelance editor just because with 18-hour days, I couldn't see straight at the end of the day, and I had a hard time. I was making typos in my own emails. But the, uh, the thing was is... All of a sudden, I'm saying, oh, my God, you know, and I I had gotten um, Reed's introduction about his experiences in Coney Island, and mm-hmm. I had also gotten uh, Charles Salzberg's uh, story, him. which was based on a true experience about, mm-hmm. um, you know, being in a rent-controlled apartment for a very long yep. period of time, and I was thinking to myself, gee, you know, I've got some crazy New York stories, so I came up with um, 
the, the, the cheesecake one because it was based on a true story. And also, of course, because my background, I worked in the movie industry for so long, it had to do with the very, very first student film that I actually worked on. And, of course, we were at Pratt, which is where I went to uh, for my undergrad. And, uh, and, of course, Pratt is in Brooklyn. And, uh, and of course, Junior Cheesecake you know, is a New Aren't York Flatbush icon. On Flatbush Avenue in Decal. What's this? On Flatbush Avenue in Decal Avenue. Oh, my God, absolutely. And, in fact, what was so funny is I actually lived in Atlanta for a few years. Mm-hmm. And Decal would be pronounced in Atlanta, Decab. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I couldn't get over it. It's like it's Decalb Avenue, but I because um, they have like a Decab County and uh, a bunch of um, you know Decab rest um, references mm-hmm. in Atlanta. But getting back to the cheesecake story, the very first student film that I ever worked on, I was doing stills for it, and. Um, you know, it was a student film. We couldn't afford the normal, uh, you know, extra PAs. And normally, if you work on a real production, whether it's television or film, you you, you pay local police department to, you know, make sure that looky-loos don't break into the set or cross barricades or whatever. And, um, and also, you know, combination of security guards, police officers, and of course, in this case, it would have been NYPD, because uh, we filmed in New York. And um, also, you've got uh, production assistants, and uh, your assistant directors will try to kind of keep out people that are not supposed to be on the set. And of course, we didn't have any of that. And somehow, and I'm really surprised, because um, I think we were filming on a Saturday when the, mm. there weren't really any classes in session, uh, some kid broke on to, into the set and said, cheesecake, cheesecake, where's the cheesecake? He was like freaked out. He had to have <laughs> cheesecake. And it's like we're looking at him, and nobody knew who this guy was. He didn't look like a crap student. And... Um, you know, I, I told him, I said, well, you know, just get on the, the bus on DeKalb Avenue heading towards Flatbush, and you'll run into juniors, and then you can have as much cheesecake as you want. But we don't have any cheesecake here. That's and, I know we have, we have juniors downtown, and they don't, I don't have their cheesecake either. That's so sad. But, yeah, there's, there's one downtown. My niece stays at the Marriott when she comes. And, yeah, juniors is so famous. I didn't realize there were so many of them. No less in Brooklyn. Yeah, now other... I'm um, I'm meeting somebody for uh, for brunch on Sunday um, at the Juniors off Times Square. I've never I've passed it, but I've never been into that one before. I'm not going to even tell you. All I can tell you is that um, it was an experience going there. <laughs> but, well, you know what it is. If you could eat everything, I asked the, sh- the person to make me something specific, and they re- they refused to do it. They said, the chef decides what you get, and they make it in a certain way. I said, but if I'm paying a whole this money, because my family was there, and I'm the one treating to everyone and giving you the tip, it might be nice if they made it my way, which they didn't. So I wound up having, at that time, I wasn't allergic to milk fat ice cream for lunch. Seriously. Right. They well, wouldn't do it, but the, they said the food was good. I said, but oh, God. But the other story that I love 
And I know that people have been down there. The Feast of San Gennaro in black and white. Oh. And the faces <laughs> come to life. I, I, you know what? And I, I think I went once because my um, hairdresser goes to that. And this, how did you include that? And how did you get the pictures were black and white? The faces look so weathered and well, tired. Those- what um, I spent like several days down there. And um, the last time, believe it or not, that I went down to the uh, Feast of San Gennaro, I felt like I was in a Tokyo subway car. I mean, not even a New York subway car, a Tokyo subway car. Yeah. Okay? I mean, it was wall-to-wall people, and you could, like, move a few inches at a time. And God forbid, you literally had to fight through the crowd if you wanted to, like, stop by one of the kiosks and try to buy something to eat. It was so, but the the time that I took these photos, it was raining almost every day. And mm. it was still, and I also went off hours. So I did not go like at noon on a Saturday afternoon, you know, or three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon when people are off from work. I would pick weekdays like mid-afternoon. You know, it was still quite a few people, you know, or at night and it was raining, you know. So there was, it was still very crowded, but it was doable, you know, where I could actually back up and get some photos. And, um, you know, that's, it was during the period of time when I was kind of doing my Ouija thing. And I would do this like, you know, almost like hit and run street photography. Mm. And, uh, I I love doing that kind of stuff, um, and I did this wonderful photo essay, and um, you know I included it as part of New York. I mean, if you've lived in New York for any period of time, you've probably heard of the Feast of San Gennaro. <laughs> so I said it's it's a very popular. Um, I don't I'd have to Google it to find out how many years it's been going on, but. I guarantee you it's been going on for several generations. Yeah. Now, the other story that I love, really love, you move my guy, Sam, and the fish. How did you create a story where the, the fish and the tuna were talking to each other? I and didn't did do you, that. That was, that was the author. That? See, what the I author did, did that? what I did, okay, is very similar to my caption contest on Facebook, mm. is I gave everybody some photo prompts. Now, Reed's slider was the exception. He gave me the story. I found some background photos to kind of illustrate it. But with everybody else, I kind of, I knew, I was familiar with their writing style, and I picked a very diverse um, crowd of contributors. And I was very familiar with Barbara's writing style. She tends to write kind of a magic realism that, highlights the American Jewish New York experience. So I kind of looked through my photo collection, and I wanted to use the picture of the guy with the fish, regardless. And I'm thinking, hmm, okay, you know, the guy was a fish seller. It was taken in the Lower East Side. This sounds like something Barbara could write about. And uh, she came up with the story, and... That is very indicative of the type of style, you know, that magic realism type Mm. of style that she tends to write in. There's always this, like, little 
something extra, you know. And as I said, in this situation, you've got a guy, and he talks to his dead fish, you know, but mm-hmm. as if they were alive, you know, he has interactions with them. And I thought it was a very interesting story. You know, it was kind of bittersweet. You know, it had its kind of humor, but it also had its sad moments. And I thought I she handled it great. It was one of my favorite stories. But, you know, there are people in this building that have dogs and cats, and they expect them to answer at times. Seriously. And they, they do talk to them. <laughs> you just know. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is, um, where am I here? Um, I'm going to before I forget. On Tuesday, I'm going to do something different in my panel show. We've got Dick Belsky, Jeff Bond, um, Charles Salzberg, and Lance LaRusso. And we're going to talk about how you review a book. What happens when you get a book to review and you don't want it? But Dick is going to talk about how he decides to interview an author based on what they wrote. So that should be interesting on Tuesday. On the 4th, Marilyn Levinson, Death on the Shelf. On the 9th, Silence in the Library. And on the 11th, Everybody We All Know and Love, John Land. We're doing a dedication to um, Veterans Day. And he did a book with with a Navy SEAL called Walk in the Mud. I like what they write at the end. The uh, things on how to deal with life and stress and stuff is really good. And on the 17th, Dick Belsky is going to be here as Dana Perry in Silent Island. And that's just some of November. And December is getting more. And if anybody needs an interview, talk to me in um, February and March because the show is booked through, all the way through April. So this, I'm so excited. So Charles's piece brings back memories. My mother lived in rent-controlled apartment when we were growing up. And then when we moved, because there was something called, I don't know if you heard of Mitchell Armour? Yes. Mitchell Armour, yeah, well, we were, she was lucky. Besides the fact that she was, you know, my father died, and she was rent, rent, uh, rent exemption uh, from Scree. So yes. she was able to get, yeah, that, that was an experience, too, trying to get that. But we did, yeah. But somehow the building got it. So how did you? She had the, how did he choose that one? I mean, he, in the rent control department, then all of a sudden, what he does is like, "Are you kidding me? You're going to do this? Oh my God!" Well, and this is ba- based on what he did, basically, right? Basically, I mean, I can't 100% talk for Charles because I'm not Charles. But um, again, I gave Charles photo prompts, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Charles kind of does, uh, you know, a PI series. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going through my collection of photos, and I'm, like, thinking, hmm, okay, wh- what can I use? What, what would be appropriate for Charles's, at least style of writing? And, of course, I also knew he was a former journalist. He's, he's written a lot of non- yeah. nonfiction articles for very prominent magazines. So I figured, well, I knew, and, I, you know, of course, I reread his biography, checked his website, And I'm thinking, you know, this is a lifelong New Yorker. So he's definitely going to be familiar with locations in Manhattan. And ironically, I happened to pick a photo prompt that was literally right around the corner from where his rent-controlled apartment was. Mm -hmm. And he emailed me, you know, as soon as I gave him the photos. And I said, well, here are your photos, you know, come up with a story. And I gave everybody free reign 
you know, to come mm-hmm. up with these stories based on the photos. And in a few situations, and I won't say who and which photos, but mm-hmm. the, sometimes the first photos I gave to people didn't work. You know, and mm-hmm. they, and they, they, I get an email back and say, this isn't resonating with me. <laughs> you know, can you give me another photo? And then other times, I was spot on, you know, came up with the best thing. But I, I picked three uh, location photos. They had no um, – actually, one mm-hmm. had, a, had a person in it. And then the other two were just literally um, street scenes, you know, but just with mm-hmm. no people in them. And the one uh, that um, I've got at the beginning of Charles' story at 57th Street in Sutton Place that I took at night totally resonated. She said, I used to take neighborhood walks and pass that corner all the time. So that's when, um, and I think he also uh, consulted with you, Reed, you know, about, you know, Mm -hmm. what kind of story I should write. And, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, think about your New York experiences or something. And that's when he came up with that story because it was basically, um, you know, in a certain sense, it was a memoir. Yeah, I'll, by the way, just for your knowledge, San Gennaro Feast started in uh, September of 1926. Oh, wow. God. Oh, God. So, Reed, do you have a special story in this that you like the best? Is there anyone besides Slider that you like that you like the best that you focus on? I, I, as a, as a uh, former vice president of Mystery Writers of America, (laughs) and as a colleague of people who I have to continue to speak to, you can't tell them. (laughs) I have no favorites. (laughs) What What can I say? So, why is this book? I mean, the title really got me. By the way, I you know um, a lot of people. I didn't show this to anybody because I'm afraid that more my neighbors are going to want it. What happens was after I interview somebody, they know I'm interviewing somebody. They go, "What did you get? What did you read? Can we have it?" No, well, if they could buy it, we've got signed I copies at the mysterious bookshop. So, and they are the oh, exclusive. Oh, trust me, I I, I ta- tack them on to um, what kind of. Oh well, uh, somebody read. Wendy just read my review that I wrote. From Partners in Crime. Uh-huh. And she loved it. She loved my review. They would tell me, trust me. They would tell me. Great. Uh, now, they, you if, said yeah. you wanted to know how I came up with the title. Yeah, how did you come up with the title? And she said, nice review as an upstate New Yorker. I am looking forward to reading this one myself. Great. And Great. She's, she's Partners in Crime. She yes, yes. That. No, I know. I've gotten uh, emails from Wendy. Um the the title New York in Your Best or Your Worst is based on my daily caption contest that I have on mm-hmm. Facebook. And that's when I post like a vintage photo and it says mm-hmm. caption contest, give me your best or your worst. So when I came up with this as the you know, with the pitch as the New York theme and I wanted to do something based on the caption contest where I would give mm-hmm. photo prompts two various authors to kind of write a story about it. And uh, that's that's how I came up with the title. But what I ended up doing also on the very last page of the book, people 
at first I was I gave people a bunch of photos and I said come up with some mm-hmm. captions, and mm-hmm. some people did, some people didn't. Uh, and then I had a design issue of laying it out, and I was ready to say, you know, if I just put these random statements here and there, it, it just wasn't visually looking right on the pages. So I said, you know, mm, I feel really bad, you know, I still want to c- capture this caption contest mm-hmm. feel. And a lot of people went to a lot of trouble um, mm-hmm. to come up with some of these. So, and and some more than others, but the the ones who did really went to a lot of trouble. So, and I even got, again, nameless, you know, one complaint from somebody like, I spent a lot of time coming up with these things. And I said, I'll figure out a way to use these. And I did on the last page. And what I did is I kind of threw in all the, you know, a lot of the responses, you know, just kind of as a, a collage. And, you know, for people who are familiar with the caption contest, they'll understand, you know, where these comments came from. And uh, one of my favorites, well, actually, <laughs> Reed came up with some really good ones. <laughs> I love the rice balls one. I'd have to look it up to see what you said. <laughs> the, oh, wait, here we go. I got my, my book in front of me. Oh, I have but a lot of people of made some too. comments about the um, – the, the photos in the Feast mm-hmm. of San Gennaro. So Reed wrote, uh, oh, okay, well, he wrote, board vendor, lead singer in the Italian metal band Led Zappoli. Then I know mm-hmm. I put right next to it, gastronomical graffiti. And uh, Reed wrote, Reed. excuse me, sir, do you have rice balls? No, kid, I just walk funny. Oh, I see that. I, I, see that I in nearly funny, spit but... out my coffee every time I read that. <laughs> No, I like Sam. Sam always talks to his fish. The regular customers in the store were used to hearing him discuss the latest baseball scores with a catfish just before he took off the head with a single fall of his cleaver. My grandmother used to take me to the butcher shop, and I couldn't watch them kill the fish. Couldn't watch them chop the fish up. No, it, it just drove me. It drove me crazy. And she she used to chop her own meat. They used to you know kosher it and chop it, and then she used to take it home and do it again. But by the way, I do know your caption contest because. Nobody noticed once in a while I actually um, put something in there, wrote okay. something. Now, the picture well, Reed, on the bottom, Reed is, is one of my Reed? biggest and most enthusiastic contributors. Well, you know, Corrado yeah. and I are the two wittiest people on earth. So, um, so ladies, you'll have to excuse me. I, I have to go, but it, this was lovely. Thank you very much for including me. And, and you got to send me your next book. book. When my, my next book is called Sleepless City, strangely enough, mm-hmm. set in Brooklyn, um, <laughs> and it'll be out. Yeah, well, on, don't forget to send it to me to review, people. Uh, I, I, you'll be top on the list right after the New York Times. Uh, oh, forget and, the New York Times. They're much better than New York. Trust me. And, oh, I, and, and, I, okay. and I don't question anything. <laughs> um, and. Uh, and it'll be out uh, sometime in the spring of 2022. And thank you again for having me. Take care, ladies. You're welcome. Thank, thank you, Reed, for being on the you're, call. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay, now where am I on my question page? Okay, what are you working on next, by the way? What am I working on next? Uh, that's, that's an interesting an thing. Question. Um, <laughs> I, 
I'm always okay. working on multiple projects. Well, as I mentioned very briefly, and and all the contributors, um, there are eleven of us all together in uh, New York. Give me your best to your worst. Um, have bios at the end with a photo, I and see. I make sure that everybody got a page to themselves. But um, in my bio, I mentioned that I write in more than one genre. So, mm-hmm. um, and in fact, now I've got a new genre because I'm starting to produce photography books. Um, oh, even nice. though, as I said, photography is not a new a new uh, genre for me. It is as far as publishing is concerned. Um, but I write in both alternate history, which is a um, uh, subgenre of speculative fiction or science fiction fantasy, and I also write in um, mystery, Hollywood mystery. Mm-hmm. And I have been, um, even though I published the third book in my time travel series, which yeah, I read um, the first two. Features, yeah, Arthur Conan Doyle, um, Harry Houdini, uh, and H.G. Wells. And my mm-hmm. third book came out this summer, uh, which is well, kind I didn't of, know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's the best one yet. It is like a mashup. Uh, it features Doyle and um, H.G. Wells a lot more than the previous books. Oh, nice. But the... Um, it's like a ma- the the timeline with uh, Doyle's and Wells is like a mashup between the Lost World and the Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh, nice! It is crazy. It is fun, and my protagonist, uh, John Patrick Scott, it, it follows. It's what um, one of my editors has described as a serialized series, very similar mm-hmm. to either Harry Potter or Outlander, mm-hmm. in the fact that you really have to read the first book to understand mm-hmm. the backstory. Um, yeah. And, uh, however, I learned a literary trick that at the very beginning of the, um, of the sequel and the third book, I summarized the previous books. Uh-huh. So, because there's obviously not only going to be reviewers and blurbers, but also people who find out about the book on blogs and say, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I didn't realize there were two books before the one I just started. So, you know, in order not to be lost, I like – and also for for the fans, you know, who who read mm-hmm. the first the – fir- the first book originally came out in uh, 2016 – so now this is five years later, they might have forgotten a lot of the details. And these are very complicated books. So they might have forgotten the details over the years, and therefore I like to kind of get them back up to speed, you know. So, um, and I found that reviewers especially who had not read the first two books really felt that that summary at the beginning of the book, I call it the author's note, um, is invaluable. But um, but yes, the it's it's told. These are the secret diaries of John Patrick Scott, who was mm-hmm. a music student in Edinburgh at uh, in 1898, who had a very unusual incident happen to him, and it happens to be that uh, Arthur Conan Doyle was originally from Edinburgh, and he actually tried to run for political office at one point. Uh, to represent Edinburgh, even though he was living mm-hmm. in London at the time. So I conceivably got a situation where the two of them met and they forged a friendship together. And it just kind of 
went along the timelines. But book three starts in uh, 1917, toward the end of World War One, and my protagonist at that point is working for British intelligence mm-hmm. and is sent undercover um, to ferret out somebody who they um, suspect is a traitor to the crown in uh, Berlin. So while he's in Berlin, I've got this whole other timeline going on as to what's happening between Arthur Conan Doyle and H.G. Wells, and it is so much fun. But that's one series that I write in. And then um, I've got four books that I've written in a Hollywood mystery series, and the good news is I just found a new agent. So um, I am really excited about that, and uh, hopefully those will see the light of day because they are not published right now. But I've had interest, and I've actually turned down quite a few offers. Um, uh, on the, on, I've got two series. Um, I've got one. It's a stand, uh, The newest one is a standalone. takes place in 1940s. Um, it's, oh my God, it's like a written version of something from TCM, from Turner Classic Movies. It's so much fun. And of course, very similar to the writing style that I have in the time travel series, I use a lot of real people, real celebrities. So this one is chock full of Hollywood stars. Um, including Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hamlet, Hammett, <laughs> end up um, having significant roles in that one. So that's my latest one, and it's the first of a possible series. And then I have three other um, Hollywood mysteries, completely different kind of series that takes place in the 80s and 90s. So I'm excited for my new agent uh, to be able to find good homes for those. And hopefully, I hope they do. Well, hopefully my we'll hear some is... good news at the beginning of next year, and I can say my next mystery is going to be this, and it's going to be published with these people. So I didn't decide on what to write next. My last book, everybody, is Population Zero. It was supposed to say... A World Without People, but they changed the title to be, uh, When the World Comes to an End. It's, it's several worlds that I created that I didn't do research. I just closed my eyes and said, what would a world look like with no sun? What would it look like with just covered with ice? What about a forest that has horrible things in it? And then I invited a dead person to come back and experience my world to tell everybody they better start acting better in this one. It was supposed <clears> to make a point. Yeah, well, there are a lot of people that read it and a lot of people that had no clue. But what can I tell you? But I think the next one I haven't decided, my Faces Behind the Stone series is popular. I write from the point of view of the dead body behind the gravestone. So I haven't decided. I might decide to write the last face behind the stone or just the question is everybody wearing masks, a faceless world. I don't know, but I will sit down and, and do something. But I want to thank you. This is really interesting, and... Um, to be included in an anthology, these authors had to be really honored to be included in something like this because it's really special. Well, and I was anybody. honored to get them because, uh, you know, Reed is has published He's over great, 31 books. He has won tons of awards. He is a New York Times bestselling author. And I also, um, you know, I got Tom Straw contributed. He is uh, a writer-producer on popular mm-hmm. shows such as Nurse Jackie uh, and yeah. Night Court. Uh, you know, I was a big fan of Night Court for years. 
and um, you know he's he's worked on tons of TV shows. He also has um, an award-winning mystery series. Charles also Salzburg. He's got the uh, Swan Pi series. I love those books. I love those. Yeah, so there are, um, you know, Barbara Krasnoff, who wrote the fish story, uh, you know, she's been up for, uh, you know, major Hugo nominations. So there's a lot of really interesting people that I picked to contribute stories to this. Richie Narvaez, you know, just won a whole slew of of, uh, awards, you know, this year Mm -hmm. for his uh, YA novel, Holly Hernandez and the Death of Disco. Yeah, he won an Agatha. I think he also won an Edgar. Um, so, yeah, no, I've I've got a great set of people on board. So I was actually honored that they accepted to work on this. Well, I'm glad they did because I couldn't put it down. And I was really excited that I got it in time to read it. As a matter of fact, it's funny. I got it like a week ago, and I just sat down and read it. I said, I better do this, otherwise I'm not going to get in time for the interview. Because, you know, so I take my time. But this, you know, if I read a book in an hour, which is probably what I read this and then read it again, it means that it has to be good, really good. Right. Well, there's a lot of photos. Me, and, and that's yeah, one. Yeah, no, I like the photos, too. But the photos thing, really spoke to me. Yeah, that I wanted to mention is this is like, invest, it's a limited edition. It's like investing mm-hmm. in a coffee table book. Mm-hmm. Now, there is, so, and it's a hardcover. It's a four-color hardcover with a, probably a close to 100 photos in it, plus mm-hmm. uh, about 15 stories. So it's it's a collectible item. It's a little pricier than the normal, you know, not paperback novel that you might pick up at a store. Uh, but we also have an ebook version, you know, for some people who don't want to um, spend the money on their hardcover. Because I know a few people got a little, sh- you know, sticker shock. But it, as I said, it's like, you know, if you went to a museum gift shop and picked up, uh, you know, a nice four-color hardcover pictorial about New York, you know, um, it would fall into that kind of price range. Well, what I could tell you is I'm, I love what I do because I get the books. That's even, even more special. <laughs> you got lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, not only not only that, but um, you know, I never know what I'm going to get. I, I, I've just finished a whole bunch of books, and I have a whole bunch looking at me inside saying, when are you going to get to me? I, I will. But I want to thank you. This has been very great. And when your next book comes out, remember that I'm here. And sure. I will definitely read it. Hopefully Everybody, it'll be one of my Hollywood mysteries, but I don't want to – Give out too many spoilers yet, yeah. Well, you never know. But all I say at the end of every show, because this world is so messed up, I like to do kindness for everybody, and this was so much fun. I really loved every doing this today. It was fun. I like to do something nice for everybody every day. If everybody would do something nice and say something nice and be more positive, maybe this dumb virus would realize you're negative and you're not wanted here anymore, that you need to just take a hike and leave because it just bothers me, and it's just a beautiful world, and, you know, it doesn't matter who's in it. Everybody's in it together, and everybody's special as far as I'm concerned. So thank you, Elizabeth, and please thank Reed. Everybody have a great day, have a positive day, and bye. Bye.